Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. I'm doing very well, Will. How about yourself? I'm good. I had a really good weekend. How was yours? The weekend? Yeah. It, the weekend was but so far away. We're almost to the next weekend. Dude, so many holiday parties. Could we just stop? I mean, I love sure. everybody equally. You were all wonderful. Yeah. Now I'm going to go into my bed, and I'm going to sleep forever. Last night, we had the weirdest Wednesday night holiday party at the office. It was mm. just kind of crazy. I don't... I, you know, we, it was a comedy show that turned into a Christmas party. You know, I think... I would prefer a comedy show that turned to a Christmas party rather a Christmas party that turned to a comedy show. <laughs> if you think about it. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Depends on how many uh, daiquiris we're talking here. I feel like the second one definitely has many more negative connotations <laughs> of like, God, I hate working here. Let's make fun of it. I just love how I said daiquiris, but like, it's totally the winter. We're having eggnog, bang. Eggnog and hot toddies. It's my birthday yesterday. Happy fucking birthday, dude. Thank you very much. I'm happy that I'm still alive and that we're doing this show and that, aw, thank you. Well done. Yes. You have survived. I've survived. We've survived another year. Welcome uh, to Lost and Rewound. And we do the show every week here on Radio Free Brooklyn from 3 to 4 p.m. as a a way to uh, get you into the whole sounds of the youth, sounds from your yesteryears, uh, old sounds that have not been heard in many, many years and if you want to be on the show to provide your own audio from the past, you can do so at Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Uh, we are streaming on the Radio Free Brooklyn app on Android or iPhone. Just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone or slash Android effectively to download that. There's all sorts of good things happening here at Radio Free Brooklyn. There was a you know holiday party last week that was very fun, and we we're a really cool community. You should come to one of our events in the future. So sign up for the newsletter at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. We're only going to send you an email once a month anyway. So just chill, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear from us. <laughs> a reminder at this time before we uh, get started that Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you to help support our mission we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on the air. Uh, we are proud to announce as well that we will be launching an after-school program for local teenagers in 2019 to learn media literacy through media making using a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. If you'd be interested in participating or donating to that program, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash after-school. Remember, all of these donations, be it uh, for slash donate or slash after school either way it's all tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law um get and those free donations and tax rebates y'all pledge really tax rebate but yo, whatever pledge whatever you can afford if you know it's the holidays it's tough i know i mean i have a freaking birthday during the holidays so i kind of like i'm so i'm settled in my like difficulty level you do kind of get screwed there don't you do i get screwed though um 
I mean, not not with uh, the showering of adoration, but uh, I, I, it sucks giving presents and getting presents, so I just avoid doing it all. Yeah, I hear that. I try not to uh, avoid giving presents, but I really feel bad like being such a freeloader. What are you talking about? Hey, you know, it's, it's your birthday. That's not that's not freeloading. That's you celebrating something that's a legitimate <laughs> celebration for everybody else. You're sort of like, I know I was born today and everybody else has fun, uh, but uh, don't. Don't worry about me. Uh, Don't pay attention to me. <laughs> You're a very sweet man, Will. Thank you very much uh, to you for being uh, so helpful to me in this, uh, like, guess what, like the last quarter of the year. Aww. And who knows what's going to happen in the next year, man. Aww. Keeping it going. I'll be, I'll be around. I'll be around. Good, good. Shall we begin then and get our guest in here? Let us introduce our wonderful guest. Rachel Rosenthal is a Brooklyn-based comedian and improviser hailing from Stamford, Connecticut. She is a founding member of the Boston-based improv collective called Big Bang. You might just have seen her weekly over at the Pit Underground performing with North Coast, a group of the hip-hop improv variety that she has been a part of for nearly a decade. You can catch North Coast's bi-weekly residency at Caveat on the Lower East Side every other Friday. And keep your ears peeled for the next show she has with her two-prov group she has with her boyfriend Sam DeRoast. Ray Roast, of course. <laughs> we'll talk about all that Ray and more. Classic. We'll, we'll talk about nice. all that and more. Please welcome to Lost and Rewound, Rachel Rosenthal, a.k.a. Ray Roast! Oh my god! Rosenthal the legend oh my. in the studio. This legend thing needs to stop. What do you mean? I wait, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I recently, I, I, I recently put up a couple British friends and I realized they, they kept calling me a legend and I realized that it's much, much, much less intense in the UK. It's just a sort of like, you're a nice person. You're a good person. You're a talented person. You're, you're a legend. legend. Yeah. Is, is that what happens? Like England? That's literally, that's literally an idiom in England, and it just has that connotation. So mm. what, what what we're saying is, is that words are exaggerated once they reach this side of the pond. No way. No, Americans exaggerate words. You were just in England recently. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, North Coast had a UK tour. Nice. So we performed all over the UK. We started in London mm. and we ended in Edinburgh. It was awesome. Yeah, we went to Bristol, Cambridge, Oxford, Birmingham. And then after the North Coast tour, I mm. was super lucky to go to the Munich Improv Festival with Big Bang. Oh, man. Wow. Is that it? What was that like? That must have been intense. It was awesome. Munich is so cool. I had never been to Germany before, so oh, that wow. was awesome. Um, and the festival there is really different than other improv festivals I've been to, at least. How would you compare? I mean, because I've never been to an improv festival, much less in England, uh, anywhere internationally. Mm. So how would you say the differences was between Germany and England alone? Language. Yeah, they both they speak different languages. Which <laughs> sure. Is really, no. Sure. Um, well, the comedy must be totally different <laughs> in terms of like the like the kind of acts that are being booked. How stylistically you different know, was it? Um, 
it's hard to say. So the only festival we did in England was, or yeah, was um, the Birmingham Improv Festival, um, and that festival felt a little bit more like American improv festivals I've been to before. It was a week long. They had performers from all over, and they had workshops and kind of like normal festival affair. I would say that or that I'm used to. And then Munich was a little different because their workshop program was like three days long. So if you signed Mm -hmm. up for a workshop, you had an intensive workshop where you worked with the same people every day for three days. Same, same instructor. So it was more like intensives all weekend long. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. I didn't get to do a workshop, but my teammate I was uh, performing with taught one of them. Will Loera taught a workshop. Nice. Now, how many of you are in Big Bang? So, and how many of you made it to Germany? So only two of us made it to Germany, Will and myself. And Will's like the director of Big Bang. Um, And lately he and I do a lot of like two prof shows just because we both go to a lot of festivals. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It's funny. I can't even tell you how many people are in Big Bang. This is like hilarious because it's like the eternally growing team. It is kind of I like that you described it as a collective because it is a touring company and it is like a collective because it started in Boston as like, I don't know, eight people, 10 people. And Mm. then since then, like Will kind of adds and some people have left and some people have been added. So I have no idea. And we only perform together on the road. So you lived in Boston for how long? I was there for nine years. And when you were wow. living there for the years that you were, you, you it was just after college. Mm-hmm. You decided on Boston. Were mm-hmm. you uh, working in the performing arts or did you have something uh, to support your craft? Um, wow. What a beautiful way of Indeed. asking that question. Indeed. Uh, no, I totally had a day job when I lived in Boston. Um, I moved to Boston after college because I was like, I'll never live in New York. That place is crazy. And now I'm here. Um, and then I performed at Improv Boston a lot, like a ton, but I had a day job. I did like web development, uh, for a couple of years, I worked at the children's museum and then I worked in web development, um, for a financial company for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, was and, that like interfaces or was that like actually the presentation, like the, the sort of advertising of it? I worked in like front end web development. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very exciting. Very, and then at very night. sexy. <laughs> which, which is why at night you were excited to get out in the, in, in, in you know, in onto a stage and uh, just playing go. with people. Yeah, totally. How did you connect with them? With uh, Improv Boston? Yeah. It's funny, actually. So I did improv as a kid growing up. And then uh, in college, I didn't do improv, but I just did like some theater stuff. And then Mm -hmm. after college, I moved to Boston and I was like, I really need a creative outlet. And I um, went on the old Google and I Googled like Boston and improv and I got improv Boston. And like, I know it sounds like, duh, but this was in 2001, so the internet's, like, not what it is now. No. You know what I mean? Definitely not. Not as ubiquitous, <laughs> not as used by everybody at every second. <laughs> and so A little I faster found, on the connection. <laughs> I found Improv Boston, and this guy wrote me back, who was, like, the artistic director, and it's the one and only Will Aware I was just talking about. <laughs> so he was like, oh, come on by. And so I went over there to watch a show, and um, it was so small back then. Now it's, like, this huge place with multiple stages and and you know classes and everything but back then it was like a small black box it was shows a couple nights a week instead of every night a week like all this Mm. stuff and uh anyway i was like there at the right place right time they the night i went there someone announced they wanted to start their first ever sketch team because it was so long ago people didn't even have sketch teams i mean used to be didn't have sketch teams back then either Mm. and so i was like i'll join that (laughs) and uh will and i ended up like 
he directed it. I uh, assistant directed it, and we were in the team together. And then I got on the house team there, and I did many productions there. And, and the rest is history. And the rest is history. Yeah, so I was there for a long time. But then you did move to New York. I did. Yeah. You caved in. I caved. What sparked or what was the catalyst for that transition? Um, I wanted to spend all my money on rent. I got you. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. No. I gotta say, I gotta say, I have a cardboard box now. I insulated it. And now I get to move Ooh. all the time. I've Fancy. been saving all this money <laughs> for years. <laughs> just so I could pay it all to the landlord. Only to have the building sold. My nest egg will be useless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. No, I I felt like yeah, I was at the point where I was like, I felt like I'd done a lot in Boston sure. and I had cut your teeth. I was so mm. comfortable there and I was like, I knew I could get cast and stuff. Like it, it was awesome and I mm. just got very lucky and I was like, Is this it? Like, should I continue? I was very content. Like I was like, I had a really good day job. I had a really awesome creative life, but it was like, I'd just been doing it for a while. And I was mm. like, should I sh buy a house? I was also single. And I was like, should I like stay here? Like, th is this where I am? Mm. Or should I like kind of shake it up and like start over in a way and like see how far I could get in a bigger market? Mm. So I did that and I moved here. And I mean, I'm from Stanford, so it's not far from New York. My family is here and my, you know, friends I grew up with and stuff were all in New York. And I came here. And luckily, I didn't have to, like, start over, start over. Sure. You didn't have to start over. But it must have been fairly, um, the word I think would be intense, because you are coming from a city that is admittedly much smaller and uh, much more... Totally different feel. Totally different feel. And uh, because of all of the opportunities and which theater you're going to go to... Um, I mean, I can only imagine that you were in, met with kind of, like, a lot of choices, Mm -hmm. What made you make the choices to jump to one theater versus another? Yeah. So my friends that were in New York already were at UCB. So I signed up for Interesting. UCB. And, yeah. you didn't, and you didn't end up at UCB. Well, I did. I signed up for like a UCB class before I even left Boston. So mm -hmm. I took all the classes at UCB. Mm -hmm. But like I had already been like directing and coaching and all that kind of stuff in Boston. And so I wanted to perform right away. So I was really lucky because I joined North Coast right away. Like a few weeks after I got here. Wow. And North Coast uh, is the reason why I do hip-hop improv, full disclosure, because you guys were offering classes, mm -hmm. uh, paying it forward for what you guys learned over the years yeah. and bestowing that into the new generation of hip-hop <laughs> improvisers. Yes, I was Alon's instructor. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> nah, that's, that's why we're here. Taking we're it here. back to the original. Whoa. But um, the pit was really great in the way that... I knew people performing there, so I like got into some shows right away, and then I so I met people right away, and then I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm also a teacher," and so I basically took like I took a class and a half, and then got on a house team at the pit. I they also let me skip levels. I don't know if they do that anymore. I have no idea. I was very lucky that I kind of started performing there and teaching there much quicker than that would have ever happened at any other theater. So. Wait, they didn't let you skip levels, especially if you were so big in Boston Improv, they didn't let you skip levels. Because at, at UCB, no. I've heard of people hop. No, no, listen. I've, I've, seriously, I've heard of people hopping 101 and going straight to 201 or hopping 201 and going straight to 301. But that's rare. But again, every time, it's always yeah. somebody from like Second City or it's somebody from 
I've, I guess I haven't heard of anybody from Boston. No, doing that. I had one friend who did, um, who was from Boston and was allowed to skip to 201. Weird. Um, <laughs> but it's pretty rare, and I don't know if they do it anymore. Yeah, I think, like, they've definitely allowed Second City teachers to, like, come over and sort hmm. of, like, jump right in. But I don't know. And, and the thing is, like, I was never like, I need special treatment or anything like that. But it was actually really great to take all of the classes because hmm. I got, like, fundamentals i hadn't had in a million years and like it, it was great like and i think i'm a much better performer now than i was 10 years ago so you were still in boston but you were in that transitionary place where you probably knew that you wanted to take your talents to somewhere else and you were already a legend effectively in your own city. all right if that getting, means getting... if that's the british definition of nice person then yeah i was a legend <laughs> We gotta bring it back, you know. Um, it's true. Actually, I, I did want to be even farther back than Boston because you have been doing improvisational acting forever. You've been doing yeah. it even when you were a kid. How mm -hmm. did you get into it as a kid? Uh, my next. And door, how old were you? Sorry, I was eleven. My next door neighbor started teaching classes with her best friend, and my parents put me in her class, and because I already did like you know theater acting or like musicals and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, yeah, you were, you were a performing kid. Yeah, I was a little performing kid. I was loud. <laughs> so uh, I started. It was like a sketch. It was like short form improv classes, and I don't I don't even know who was your people teacher. Did long form back then. Who was my teacher back then? Uh, Lynn Colatrella and Lori Guzda. They're still in my life. They were uh -huh. like second cooler parents to me, you know, nice. and now I'm like very close. They brought you up. Yeah, they did. And I was just at the right place at the right time. The like Curtain Call was the name of the theater. It still exists in Stanford. Shout nice. out to Curtain Call. No way. And we, they basically, they had like an adult group that almost did like a Second City style show. They did. Oh, dope. Sketch and like short form improv, which oh. is what the Second City show is yeah. and they decided we should make one of those groups out of children from our classes who like are like you know the best performers from our classes That's so wonderful That's great so i got to be in that and it, it's like so the adult group was the players and the children's group the half pint players yeah, <laughs> love it love it love so it so shout out to the half pints and honestly a lot of the people who are in that group are still in the industry today like i have Friends who are comedians, producers, actors, and like That's... we were all in this amazing group together. I mean, how kids. can you not grow out of that? I mean, if, especially if you guys were picked as like the creme de la creme of, of, <laughs> of the young of, of the, the Stanford, Connecticut, of the Stanford, Connecticut, fourteen <laughs> people in the state doing this. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. it is so fascinating to watch others that you grew up with, whom you were acting with for all of your you know formative years, and they are doing great things with themselves now. Like you remember yeah. the names and then you see the names and you stay in touch with the names and the faces are familiar and you pick up right where you're <clears> left <throat> off and you have that intrinsic theatrical connection that, you know, you guys have performed together. So you, you I think know the each funniest other. thing, though, is that they're like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, we're in L.A. and we're doing like one's a writer, TV writer and performer and uh, comedian. One's an actress. One's more of a producer and writer. And they're like. And you're still doing improv? Yeah. <laughs> I'm ah, like, yeah, I know. Ah, I, <laughs> oh, my God. I love that feeling. But you do take advantage of the fact that you are such a seasoned at, uh, in the game. And you actually do, for full disclosure, you do. Um, make a living off of this. You do make a living. You, yeah, you yeah. teach. You, you go to offices. I do, yeah. I mean, how? I mean, that, I mean, first off, how 
awesomely rare is that? To, yeah, it really is. And I'm always like, we'll see how long it lasts. You know what I mean? But yeah. I've been doing no day job for, um, it'll be three years in like a week. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. So seriously. thank you. Seriously, yeah. Seriously. So, and I, it takes a while to get to a place where you feel like comfortable with that. I feel like this year I was like, okay, I got it. The first years I was like, what the f- I swear. Of course. You could swear Radio as much as you Brooklyn. fucking want. As the as the as the poster behind you says, Radio, Radio Uncensored. Uncensored. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, good. Don't, fuck. don't hold back, girl. Don't hold back. Fuck, but yeah. fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. But yeah, it's good. So I've I've managed to make it work, but we'll see what happens next. Please tell me about that. Please tell me about those first two years of you just living off it. Because mm-hmm. that would be I mean, that's something that's just very interesting to me and sort of because the emotional sense of um Oh God, am I somehow failing at life that I'm pursuing something that I love? Oh God, am I somehow like screwing myself and my other opportunities? You know, it's very that. I mean, did you have any of that? Did you feel any of that sort of questioning of the very basis of why you were doing this? Of course. You know, it really depends on when you ask me how if I recommend like other people doing this because it's it's not like mm. all amazing flower and rainbow. you know yeah i was gonna say sunshine and rainbow <laughs> i mean the truth is it's it's and there's a lot of things that i besides a steady paycheck that i do mm. miss about having a day job and the truth is that like your creative projects that you choose at least for me are different because it's hard for me to choose something that's not paid and then it's yeah. like oh then i'm choosing my creative projects because it's paid, usually the paid stuff's like, no, it's creatively fulfilling, you know? It's like, oh, you want me to go host a birthday party in Long Island? I'll do that. It pays really well. That's awesome. But it's not performing, you know, and something that you've created with your, you know? So it is really different in that way. I mean, I don't want to, like, take the amazement out of it. Everyone should follow their dreams. Do it. Follow your dreams. But a lot of working for yourself is, like, contracts and invoicing and securing business and, like, setting that stuff up for yourself. And then once you have it, 10% 10% of it is like performing and teaching classes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it gets to a place where you have been enjoying, I think, the fascination of just like being uh, able to do what you want to do and have a way to support that. And then you get to a place where it's like, well, what if I mixed them together? Mm-hmm. Would this concoction be attractive or would it be uh, an ugly uh, thing that, that I never want to do again? So what I mean to say that that is, is that when you do combine them, does it make you love it more or does it make you uh, never want to do it again kind of thing? When you combine business and your passion? Yes. Um, no, I do love it. I, I definitely step back all the time and I'm like, my life's pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like. As you should. But at the same time, like, I I don't know. It, it just depends this... what you want. My, financially, it's not, like my friends like have homes that yeah. they yeah. bought yeah. in the in Westchester and it's like fancy shit and I'm like no I'm like, not there I got I got soon. my apartment and uh, I'm am, am I making rent yeah um, but I will but I will I mean does this phrase um hit anything with you no matter how shit a life you got to live do something you love because at the end of the day you can never compete with somebody that loves their job hmm. I like that does that speak Oh yeah, to yeah. Do you yeah feel for like sure. you're, do you feel like you're do you feel like you're building towards something where eventually, I mean, we've seen improv over the last, at least, you know, I've only been doing this for four years, but at least over that period, I have gotten such a level of respect. I mean, partially because I'm in the community, but also just because 
the the producers that I work with, the people that I talk to on a regular basis, they love hiring comedians more than mm. traditionally trained actors because they're more versatile. Yeah. They can do more things. They can help out. You know what I mean? There's there's a there's a greater willingness to to sort of play within that realm. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, um, as a as a director myself, I gotta have, you know, an eye out for the people who are actually reliable. But I mean, do you find yourself being able to sort of take advantage of that? Do you see a light at the end of the tunnel? Like how do you So I think like light at the end of the tunnel is a really interesting question because mm. most people are not a professional improviser. Most people use improv for other goals, yeah. right? They use yeah. it for writing. Stepping stone. Yeah. Stone. But I I don't wanna audition for my life. Like I'm not interested mm. in that. Um, not that I don't want to act and perform i love being on on stage i love you know i do love all that but i'm not interested in the life of an actor i like really respect people who can do it but it's like not for me mm-hmm. so i'd rather like improvise create my own opportunities teach stuff like that i don't know maybe that'll change like in a few years i, I don't know so I, I think it's i'm a little bit weird in that way there are other people doing it i know people i've met around the world at festivals and stuff who do it too mm-hmm. but like i definitely think especially in the states or in new york like People are using it because they want to be a TV writer. Like, I don't want to be a TV writer. <laughs> and Whatever. that's not my skill set. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, skill or not, was there ever anything uh, in your years that you've come to see that you've never, maybe you've tried it, maybe you haven't, but that you've been kind of ginger or hesitant, maybe scared to try? When you said, Will, that you've been doing it for four years, I've been doing improv now for four years too. And really? I only started doing it because I realized um, after a few things in my life that I needed to just stop being in my own head and just try and do something Put that it out scared there. me. Put it out there, yeah. Rachel, did you ever do something that scared you and you decided not to do it again in the performing arts way? Or has oh, everything that you've... Has every, has, has everything <laughs> that took me a moment. But has, <laughs> it was a while. I'm a builder. Uh, I'm Bob the Builder. Uh, yeah. uh, um... <laughs> You know what I'm saying. So, yes. So, I'm, like, not a stand-up, and um, I decided to just, like, try to write and perform a stand-up set when I was in Boston. Okay. And Wow, how did that go? And, I mean, guys, I slayed. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> yes. But, like, no. But um, I was in, like, a very supportive room of, like, it was my friend's show, and, like, mm. so many people in the audience were just, like, all there for me. But I wanted to just try it to challenge myself. Of course. But I don't want to do stand-up, at least not in New York. I don't want to do stand-up. I, like, can't deal with the grind. It's amazing, the people who can do it. Mm. So, like, that's not for me. But I think the scariest thing that I did was quit my job to pursue improv full-time. <laughs> that's got, I can only imagine <laughs> how terrifying that is. I mean, look, I, that's that's something that I'm honestly building towards myself right now. Mm-hmm. And so... um because I do advertising to essentially fund every other creative project I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do, I, I run a production company, but it's still like, but that, you know, that is through the advertising agency that I work for. Yeah. <laughs> so to lose them is to lose a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and not necessarily that it would mean, but I'm just like, you know, I'm so interested to talk to you about this. Yeah. Will, Wait. you have such a radio voice. He Doesn't he? Yeah. Really? He's, <clears throat> it's like. It's I like, hate my voice on the radio. Your voice I sounds I think just your voice perfect. Sounds wonderful on the radio. I, I, I'm the one who has been trying to do some kind of recording my voice in uh, to a recorder for years, and I have not gotten any better. 
<laughs> it's remained the same way. I don't know what you're talking about, Elon. I can I can do what I can. But dude, I mean, you've also that's also a surprise that you've been doing improv for four years. You're so good at it. Oh, that's uh, I, I I defer to the instructor in the room uh, to tell me how I'm how I am. You want some notes? Nope, I do not. Tell, not give, at this give me time. Some love. No, give I me love some improv love. I love working with her. Aww. She she's been good to my group, Boots and Cats. Uh, where we love her very much. We do have to take a quick breather, and when we come back. We have so much clips that we have to get to. I'm I, I'm really like super jazzed about this, and this is the reason why you're here, Rayro. So, are you excited? Are you are are you are you are you that who gave you that name actually? My friend Helena, uh, still friends with her. She gave me that name when I was 14 before J Lo. Love it, and I've had it oh, for awesome. freaking ever. Oh, okay. that's awesome. Well, when we come back, we will dissect the old sounds from the past. Some of hers and some of uh, Sam's as well. After this break, this Rep. is yeah, right, Ray Rope, Ray Rope, Ray Rope, on Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn. Dying to hear more of our show, of Lost and Rewound Archives, I have good news for you. We're still working on archiving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm really... Oh, it, it's, it's, it, it's rough out there. Um, I'm working my butt off right now to, to get everything back up. And if you're listening to this on the podcast version by now, hopefully everything is up to date. So that said, please go to our Podomatic page or SoundCloud or iTunes or Spotify. Any of those four will suffice, but especially Podomatic. That's our main hub for all of our Radio Free Brooklyn fare. Go to lostandrewound.podomatic.com and uh, download all of our previous episodes. We're here this week with Rachel Rosenthal, Improvisor Extraordinaire. Right, and uh, Will and I are really grateful to have your uh, talents here in the studio, including the talents yes, of, of your uh, previous self uh, in, <laughs> uh, in a former life. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell us about Arrows and Things? Oh, my gosh, guys. This is <laughs> oh my God, guys. the <laughs> fact that we are going to play this on the radio. I can't even. So when I was a little, a little girl. 88. 1988, before either one of you was born, I'm assuming. No, no, I was actually born in 1986. Yay! I was, was (laughs) my sister actually was just born a year before, so I was at this point, I don't like six or something like that. Awesome. Yeah, so I used to write a lot of songs in my little notebook, and I'd record myself, but a lot of times I would also just improvise songs, which is hilarious, because that's what I do for a living now. Okay. You You know? 
specifically this song is from a cassette tape that I found where I'm pretending I'm on stage or I'm pretending I'm on the radio. So I'll be like, thank you. Thank you. And like, I'll pretend there's like a huge audience. And I'm like, my next song is called, and clearly as you'll hear, I make up the song title as I'm saying it because I have no idea. <laughs> and then I just start making up a song and clearly just listing things in the room. Oh, I love it so much. It's perfect. No time to delay. We're about to listen to it. The next song is a song called Arrows and Things. Arrows, things. Arrow shoot, things are fun. Arrow shoot, things are ordinary. Things are ordinary. All right, you step on chess, you play. Things are ordinary, but arrows, arrows. A fireplace you burn when light you see with lucky read but you say, oh, things are ordinary. Things are ordinary. Exactly. confused about native american culture yeah so (laughs) i mean at that age i imagine all of us were yeah i think like (laughs) i clearly didn't know if native americans were like still around or not but i didn't want to seem stupid but again i'm improvising and i'm like nine or eight so uh yeah it's confusing times it's it's you know you want to make sure that you're being sensitive to the fact that maybe native americans in the time that this was being recorded have moved on to other forms of, uh, you know, attack. Yeah, weaponry. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they use a, a gun, you know, like every other warm-blooded American. Oh, mm. Yuck. Yuck. Yuck, indeed, right? They and should be using like, arrows I've, instead. I have no idea why I got so stoked on arrows. I think I thought that it sounded like a smart word probably. And so I was just like, that sounds smart. They're used in a lot of different ways. They point at stuff. They shoot at stuff. They do all these different things. <laughs> arrows, arrows, arrows. Okay. But like now, so when I I <clears throat> found this and like posted it initially many years ago, some of my friends started using it as like if something's good or cool, it's 
totally arrows, you know? <laughs> and uh, I directed my friend Michelle Ward's one-woman show many years ago. Mm-hmm. And as a thank you gift, she gave me these little arrow earrings. Oh, man. And, like, a bunch of arrow-themed gifts, like arrow stickers and all stuff. But now whenever there's certain shows, like, I'll wear my arrow earrings because they're, like, good luck. You used this piece. Mm-hmm. You found okay, so you found this tape, and then you're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then did Mortified reach out to you, or did you reach out to Mortified? So one of my good friends, Sarah Alterman, is a host of live Mortified shows, uh, and she's been involved in like the writing of the Mortified book and all that stuff. But this was like way before Mortified can was as get, big as it is. Can now. we get a quick description of what Mortified is? Yes, oh, yeah, sorry sure. about that. So Mortified is, um, it started as a live show, but now it's like a live show, a podcast, a book. It's like, a, I think it's also a TV show. Um, it's a lot of things now, but it started as a live show of people kind of like similar to what you're interested in, people sharing stuff from their childhood that they yeah. wrote anywhere oh, nice. before they were 18. So it's like journal entries, yes. like yeah. a lot of like short stories people wrote as kids, um, stuff like that. And it's super funny. And so I performed on Mortified. Arrows. Yeah. A friend of the show um, uh, who I collaborated with, Angel Yao, she used to be a performer and she used to host a videology show called VHS Presents, which I've done with her, sort of in a similar <laughs> vein. Um, and she's been on Mortified as well. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to see one show my friend was reading in over at Littlefield in Brooklyn. It really is very much in the same wheelhouse. And I won't lie that. Uh, I did not know about Mortified when I started Lost yeah. and Found. I didn't know what I was getting into when I had a treasure trove of tapes from the mid-90s. Well, there's plenty mm. of treasure to go around. The treasure that you had on you probably doesn't match necessarily in abundance, but in terms of the quality, there are even more that you have than this. <laughs> oh, a lot. <laughs> and when that, you found... That seems invaluable. So Where you... is all okay, of that? But, but here's the thing. So you found this, though, right? You found this, and you decided you were going to use this clip specifically. Yeah. Was, what's sad is that, like, I'm just slightly old enough that a lot of the technology that I recorded on has since expired. Vanished, yep. And so, like, I had a bunch of cassette tapes. I used to, like, record myself on cassette tapes, and mm. I just, like, don't know where they are anymore. I think that the most I threw out, there's probably some at my parents' house. Yeah. But I do recall, I was so proud of myself that I ripped this one song off of a cassette tape because I did this like 10 years ago. Yeah. Hmm. And I like, got this cord that like attached to my computer and blah, blah, blah. Like I I can do it. And you needed, by the way, a tape recorder, which like I don't even own anymore who Hmm. does so Mm. anyway but i also have besides recordings i have a notebook filled with songs that i wrote as a kid as well do you remember any of those songs (laughs) yeah i do do you do you want to hear one of them yes Uh, yes yes Yes, okay i'll sing one i have to remember it's called it's called life um it's very deep when i think of the world in a different way it gets differenter Mm mm-hmm when you stop to think you really turn pink, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and when you're alive, you really have something, it's called life. Life. L-I-F-E, it's called life. Life. L-I-F-E. You want to learn something, but school is really trouble with you. Ooh, so what you gonna do? Ooh, just remember life. Life. L-I-F-E, it's called life. 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 Yes. 
L-I-F-E. It's called life. That's it. That's amazing. Yeah, and you know, I really had the first chorus structure down before I even knew what that was. What were you listening to musically? <laughs> yeah, back seriously, then? what was giving you this influence? Mm, and what, what were your parents into that gave you this influence? I listened to like Madonna. My parents listened to good music. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel, Paul Simon, a ton of Billy. I'm still listening to Billy Joel. I'm a Billy Joel kid. I'm with you on that. Yeah. A lot I mean, of people hate on he's, him. Well, he's, I mean, he's a classic. A lot of like yeah. folk rock, a lot of, yeah, 60s so what was, rock. what was the first album that you remember being yours that you would play for your own enjoyment? And dance to. Oh, um, Paula Abdul. Uh, oh, my God. There was this album that had like, um, uh, what's it called? Fucking, what was that album? It was like. Not It Takes Two. Opposites I, Attract. Yes, that uh, one. That I could one. not identify With a Paul Scat album. Cat? Oh, my God. I loved dancing to that album. And, like, you can hear on some of the old cassettes that I had that, sadly, I can't find anymore. I sing, like, a Madonna song, and I it's La Isla Bonita, which is also in Spanish. And I don't know what I'm saying, and I make up half the words, <laughs> but it's great. It's, it's your first Spanish lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. You were saying opposites attract, and I, I couldn't help but uh, think about uh, the fact that uh, your boyfriend is an accomplished musician who, for full disclosure, is in a different sort of age uh, generation <laughs> than you are. Yeah. Would you mind explaining uh, how the generation gap came about? Yeah. Uh, this is a show that you, your, your, your group, Ray Roast, came up with. But it definitely, the opposites attract mentality kind <laughs> yeah. of met, uh, mean, <laughs> means something uh, to an even larger affair with this. Yeah, so... My partner in both romance and comedy, Sam DeRoast, and I started performing improv together as Ray Roast, which we thought was like, Ugh, fine, let's just put our names together. But actually, <laughs> when you try to read it, people think it says Ray Roost and like it's just a mess. So we're Ray Roast and we started doing improv together. But we have a 12 year age difference. I'm older. You're welcome. And so oh, yeah. uh, we... He understands like all the references that I understand more because he was an old soul and he also had older brothers who were like my age. Gotcha. But I have no fucking clue what like Pokemon is. So like <laughs> and or like anything he mentions, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So we just like started joking all the time about pop culture stuff from our childhood. And then we decided to make a show about it. So it's called The Generation Gap and it started as a live show. And the two of us get on stage and each show has a theme. So we'll pick two pieces of pop culture that were really important to us as children or like basically in that gap of time, which is like 96 to 2006 or 2008. For example, we did one show where I talked about the Goonies and he talked about uh, fucking Sandlot, which like not that they're that far apart, but like one meant a lot to him as a kid and one meant a lot to me as a kid. Wait, which meant, sorry, he had sandlight, you had Goonies. Yeah. Goonies, so much better. Sorry, just oh, me. Oh man, very just controversial. Me. Just me. I, I, f- I found after doing this show. But, um, <laughs> and we would like, we would basically like, we would prepare PowerPoints and like live oh, performance pieces. Oh my God. And like involved, we also would do like trivia with the audience at the end. Our other live show we did recently was, I did a very specific slice of 90s hip hop I did. Another Bad Creation, Boys to Men, mm. and Belviv DeVoe, <laughs> ABC, BBD, The East Coast Family, and yes. Sam did Pop Punk of Sum 41, Blink-182, and oh Green Day. Oh my God, that's it was much more so my fun. speed, that's much more my gen, but still, that's yeah. amazing. Every so bit of fun. that sounds amazing. Yeah. I can appreciate both of those. However, I feel like I'm in between both. I feel like it really 
came down to like the grunge and like all the like the yeah. stuff that was no, happening in like the mid nineties. Well, like, the most impression. Yeah. Sam, yeah, what Sam said is he's like, well, yours is like definitely cooler. Like he's like, <laughs> he's like, poison comes on at a party and everyone's like, yay, and like. A Blink-182 song comes on and people are like, why? Why? What are you doing? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. However, karaoke changes all the rules there. Mm, because that is very yeah. true. You, because you do a Blink-182 song at karaoke, depending on the crowd, and people go ballistic. People go but nuts. the expectation is you're doing it slightly ironically. Or it's just for pure kicks. Right. And so therefore has nowhere near the same weight. But I don't know. I had I had an older sister who sort of exposed me to the Fugees and exposed me to a lot of oh, that. Fuck yeah, but the Fugees. Yeah. No, no, Fugees. My first four so albums good. were the score. The score is like a perfect album. I am yes. so with you That's on that. I'm so with you. We're, we're just, all in agreement there. Uh, Matt Vita, a fellow comedian and hip hop improviser, yeah. uh, has a CD player in his truck, and we were going yes. to we were oh, going to improv yeah. up in Vermont, which oh, is yeah. a super fun weekend that. Ski we, we put on together. Please, and, please elaborate. Oh, it's so fun. Uh, it's exactly prov. what it sounds it like. Is. You're skiing and doing improv. It's a weekend away uh, at a house uh, in Killington, Vermont. But we've done it in the fall as well, where we instead of skiing, we did like hikes and like just because it's so beautiful up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we do it's like camp for the weekend. I teach a <laughs> workshop or two and we do a talent show with everybody. It's super fun. But Vita nice. had a. Uh, the score in his truck and we listened to it. It was so good. Hell yeah. Um, but anyway, Gucci. yeah, the generation gap by Ray Rose. What's really, I think so fun about it too, is that not just that we're talking about references of pop culture, mm -hmm. but also how they informed us as human beings and how they created who we are, which is super fun. Sam, for example, like he is, he, he writes musical theater and he's a musician and actor and writer. But as you'll hear in a moment, I believe, uh, a lot of like that pop punk stuff is what he started uh, performing because he like started bands when he was like, you know, a young teenager. And so uh, that music definitely like informed him. We're going to listen to a song called My Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Are, are, have you heard this yet? I feel bad I that, that even Sam is no. So I, you know, Sam couldn't be here uh, for the recording. It feels a little bit empty not having him here I because know. he's such a such a warm personality to yeah. have in the room. Uh, I'm but sad that, I'm that, that said, Sam now. but no, no, it's okay. You're here, proxy, uh, and you know he provided yeah. the tracks. Sam couldn't be here, but he had so many amazing uh, bands that. Oh God, Dude, I do I you could remember, remember the, the names you, of all these? Bands. You don't remember the name of the band that this was. I'm well, not... actually, baby in a straitjacket. It's <laughs> um... a good name. No, it's no, a... no. That's a shout out to Parks and Rec. But you're like, um, yeah, I didn't actually ask, but that's okay. Wait, wait, <laughs> I'm gonna, what, I'm gonna ask him right now. She's... If he writes back right away. Do it. Ra Rachel's gonna text her boyfriend while we play this song called "My Shoes," and then when we come back. We'll get the name of the band. Too much to think 
In the morning my epiphany It still stuck with me As we walked I love. I did love that very much. It, I, I do, by the way, remember two of his band names. Okay. Which are? One was called Ria, R-I-A. All right. The other one was Just Add Water. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, those are the two I can remember right now. We'll see if you okay. text back. Okay. Uh, so, but that song was uh, stripped down. It seemed like it was just him on the guitar. Playing. Yeah. And Wait, how old is he when he wrote that? Oh, uh, good question. I want to say like fourteen or fifteen. It sounds. Wow. It sounds like uh, some middle school angsty uh, love. <laughs> gosh, you know what it really reminds me of? What? Uh, white. The, what is it? Uh, plain white tees. Hey, Delilah. Mm-hmm. Oh no. You know that he would probably be so upset by that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this no, is I so mean... terrible. What the song that reminds me of is uh, that Green Day song. I hope you had the time of your life. Uh-huh. And. If if that's the case, he should be not offended by that one because that one is, I think, a much better song than Hey Delilah. I'm sure he listened to both of those. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes nice. sense. Yeah, no, Hey Delilah was like way after my time. I think that was like mid-aughts maybe nice. uh, versus uh, Green Day, which I think that song well, came out in 98. Maybe. So Green Day like spanned all that time. It's actually yeah. something really funny that he mentioned in that show, hmm. which is that pop punk started with green day and ended with green day. like <laughs> so and then accurate. in between was yeah. like avril lavigne good charlotte like yeah. all this other stuff but like green day was there the whole time yeah. the seminal grandfathers yeah. of the style of pop punk <laughs> birthed out of the california <laughs> suburbs we have time to listen to another track it's called the wild mm. i don't know what to expect I don't. I haven't listened to these. You haven't listened to them. Mm-mm. You haven't listened to them. I have not. And we live together. <laughs> that's like that's like the hardest part about this show is that we always try to keep everything a surprise. Oh sure. But we live in a tiny ass Brooklyn apartment, so do you, you have to use different uh, computers to do your PowerPoint yeah. presentation. Like, you go in there, and I'll go in the bathroom. <laughs> no, no, you that corner, me that corner. We don't turn our backs around you. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go with the wild. Ran the circus and they gave me up Cause I was too normal for them Sometimes I wonder what if I just left my house And went to live with the animals Would I be accepted by any of them? Run into the with the bobcat's grin mm-hmm. 
like somebody's filming me on the world's longest documentary. And I wonder if anyone's even watching. Go out into the woods and then be clothed in nothing but my skin. Come face to face with the bomb. Every child wrote a song where they were like, sometimes I think I was adopted. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that's such a good first line. I mean, that's a wonderful, wonderful opening line. But I just I just got to say, that's a song that bear with me here. That speaks to me in a weird way, because I never doubted that I was adopted because my father's face and mine are identical. Mm-hmm. And so and but aside from that, like the concept of feeling like this is all these are my family. This is my parents. But I don't belong mm-hmm. my favorite part is when he's like what if i lived among the animals that was so good would they, would they accept, accept me, me? <laughs> would they... I'm just like, my first oh. line is like mowgli please yeah let me take you in. it's yeah. so cute but also oh, it's just interesting too how it informs us as adults because like sam is such an animal person and he's yeah. such an environmentalist and it's just so funny. how did you guys yeah. meet Oh, my God. It's my favorite story to tell. (laughs) And that's why you're here to tell it. Uh, Two years ago, almost to the day uh, we met, we met like next week will be two years. So about the turn Um, turn of the year. Yeah. I went to Portland, Oregon. I had done a bunch of improv festivals uh, at the Stumptown Improv Festival. Shout outs. Nice. Amazing festival. Booyah. I had done their festival a bunch of times. I had made a bunch of wonderful contacts and friends out there, and I decided I may want to live there eventually, but I'd only been there in August. So I decided to basically do like a month-long, a little longer, five-week artist residency Mm. in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I teamed up with the Siren Theater, which is a brand-new theater out there, and went to like teach improv and do performances and classes. Um, And I went like the day after Christmas just because it was cheap. Uh, Because I'm Jewish and I don't celebrate Christmas. So I flew out there super early. Sam was there. uh, He lived in New York at the time, but he's from Portland. And so he was home visiting his family. We have friends in common through improv. Our friends we have in common, some of them live in L.A. So I lived in New York. He lived in New York. Our friends lived in L.A. But we all happened to be in Portland, Oregon at the same time. And our friends, uh, Jake and Katie, they sent out a text like, hey, guys, we're in town for like one more night. Let's meet at this bar for a drink so we can say hello and goodbye to like our friends we haven't seen yet. So I went to that bar. He went to that bar. And we met at a bar in Portland when neither one of us lived there. Gorgeous. Yeah. And then came back to New York and started dating. I fell in love and did some comedy. By the way, I have the information now. Uh, Okay. Sam was also in a band in middle school or high school called The Johnny Fingers. I think that was high school. Oh, my God. And they played like gigs. Well done. The two songs that we just heard were from when he went, quote, solo. (laughs) (laughs) So just so you know. I can only imagine how awesome you guys must be on stage. Aww. Yeah, it's super fun. When is the next time you guys are performing? So uh, You guys are putting the generation gap onto podcasts. Yeah, exactly. So I feel bummed I, I don't That's have dates awesome. to like promote right now. But 
if you check out facebook.com slash Ray Roast Comedy, yeah. you will see as soon as we post a new show. But we are currently working on a pitch for the Generation Gap to turn into a podcast. Beautiful. Um, mm. Just because it kind of naturally tends itself that way. Like it loans itself to that kind of audio genre. Um, but we will to continue to, to perform live to talk too. talk to you about that in yeah. another setting than the studio. Okay, the cool. uh, yeah. nature of your performances on a weekly basis can no- otherwise be uh, deferred to North Coast. Uh, you have your weekly residency at the Pit Underground, and that's uh, every Saturday at the Pit Underground at 9.30. Uh, 9. 9 p.m., sorry. Mm-hmm. 9 p.m. That's why I was late the last time. No, kidding. Um, <laughs> no, so 9 p.m. at the Underground uh, over on 123 East 24th Street in Manhattan. And then uh, Caveat is over on Street. Clinton Street in the Lower East Side. Yeah. They have some great, great shows There's there. There's a Clinton Street on the Lower East Side? <laughs> you, the New Yorker. Dude, I didn't. I only thought the only Clinton that existed was in Brooklyn Shut Heights. Shut up. Jesus Shut. Christ. Get out of here. You're, you're, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a his- improvised historical hip hop so basically, we amazing. get a, every bit of that sounds amazing. <laughs> we get a historical figure or icon as a suggestion from the audience, mm-hmm. um, and then we perform basically an hour long uh, hip hop musical of their life. But we try to make it as factually accurate as possible with bits, obviously, uh, with live piano, live beatbox. Um, we've done like Isaac Newton. We've done Queen Elizabeth the First. Both of those we did in London. Uh, but nice. here we've done um, Oprah. I mean, it's it's really awesome. Please tell me you've done like we did MLK Genghis when we were in Florida. Khan. We my, did Genghis Khan. My, my nice. favorite was when uh, your teammate Meg did Helen Keller, and it, it was no such a good way. show. That was uh, no not that way. was that wasn't even that caveat. That was at another theater, but yeah, uh, it was amazing. So so definitely check that out. And what is the URL that people could go uh, to check out for all of your stuff? Uh, com. And, and can you give your Facebook line also just as one continuous thing? Yeah. You can find me at com or facebook.com slash show. Ray Roast is at facebook.com slash comedy. Check out North Coast online and uh, don't forget to buy your tickets for the next Anybody show because it's going to be amazing. Honestly, I, I really can't think of a better guest to have for my birthday week. Aww. Yeah, aww. Happy thank birthday. Dude, that really is sweet. Happy birthday, thank, Elon. Thank, thank you very much. And thank you very much to the wonderful and talented Rachel Rosenthal uh, for being here on Lost and Renown this week. Thanks for having me. And Sam says the same thing. Thank you to Sam DeRost for contributing audio this week. And uh, Thank you for your amazing teenage songs. Yes. Rachel, your songs were brilliant. Sam, your songs were brilliant. I'm Alon Danziger. And I'm Will Hasty. We'll be back next week uh, for a special edition of Lost and Rewound. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Ciao. Okay. This is my sexy voice. Oh, God. I don't even want to know what your, <laughs> what happens after. Okay. Hey guys. Okay, now <laughs> it's this like, is my sexy boy. This is this is mine. I thought, oh god, <laughs> my balls my back up. <laughs> Dear me, I don't even want to know what that what's underneath the hood there. Sorry about that. I, uh... <laughs> okay. Wait, that back. <laughs>